It's Tuesday, September 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Bill Barker. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be back. Transportation is the theme of today's show. We're going to talk about GM's deal and the ripple effects from that, but we're going to start with cycling, or at least a form of cycling, that is. Shares of Peloton up 10% this morning. The exercise equipment maker announced a couple of changes to its menu of offerings. They're cutting the price of their core exercise bike by more than 20%. They are also adding a more expensive version of the bike. They're also going to be adding a less expensive version of the treadmill. I don't own Peloton, but I totally understand why the stock is up. I mean, this is, I think, if you're a Peloton shareholder, this is what you want to see. You want to see them among other things, broadening the number of things that they offer people. Yeah, they're becoming more affordable, uh, gives them uh, more of a reach, especially if they can uh, price the core bike competitively and then get uh, the subscription revenue added on top of that. So, it's uh, largely good news. Uh, they still have a very expensive um you know, on, on the bikes, they're taking that down, but the treadmill is still uh, above $4,000, which I don't think is, uh, first of all, they don't have the same sort of brand association with treadmills that they do with the stationary bikes. Uh, and I think that uh, they have plans to get that treadmill down uh, sometime next year, uh, a very substantial cut in the price of that down to sort of 2500 uh, But they have all the business they can handle at the moment. And that is what you want to hear from a company. Another thing you want to hear if you're a Peloton customer or a shareholder is the comments that uh, John Foley, the CEO, made about the delays that they've had in terms of deliveries, that they are working to cut those down. Um, I think they, they want to see even more improvement in that area, but it's moving in the right direction, at least. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to hear that a company has more business than it can handle or that it cannot handle the business that it, it has. So, uh, getting everything right-sized is a challenge and, you know, one they couldn't really have prepared for going into this year, uh, the surge in demand. So, I don't think that management suffers by still having some of these delays uh, as long as they're showing improvement as they go along. I'm going to take a slightly opposite point from what you just said. I do think, particularly for younger companies, there is some cachet to, boy, we can't keep these things in stock. I think that's, you know, earlier this year, that was a good narrative for Peloton, both for the business and for the stock. But there is uh, this invisible line that you don't want to cross. You you want there to be demand. You want there to be slightly more business than you can keep up with. If it starts to be too much, that people say, "Oh, wait a minute, it's going to be how long until I get this thing?" Oh, I actually need something sooner than that. I'm going to take my business elsewhere. So I I think that worked for Peloton earlier this year. I think the comments that Foley made are, uh, <laughs> uh, fortunately for the business and the stock, the the right comments. Well, it's a better narrative than what we started the year with, which was, as you may recall, uh, aren't you going to apologize for your Christmas commercials? Uh, and and I may have taken the position, if we talked about Peloton, that there was no such thing as bad publicity. 
And if I did, you may have challenged that and said, yes, there is such a thing as bad publicity. And you're the guy with the communications degree, so you probably (laughs) know where the truth lies in that one. Uh, But uh, there are certainly... I don't know, you know, whether they look back on any of that uh, controversy, uh, which did create lots of uh, attention around the product and around the company and regret ever making the commercial at all or not. Uh, But I think they mostly don't have to think about it today. No, they don't. And it's not on the same level as Netflix and Quickster. But if Peloton continues to put up the numbers they're putting up, continues to broaden the portfolio of offerings, uh, then it it gets further and further in the rearview mirror. Um, you're let's talk you're about a competitive runner. Hold on a second. I want to oh, okay. find out about this treadmill. What what do you think? When I don't know if you have a treadmill, you kind of like running outside, uh, like all normal people. Um, now I've offended some, but uh, <laughs> does a, a forty three hundred dollar treadmill strike you as? Yeah, I'd never did. I'd never spend that for a treadmill. Or like, well, if it's got all the bells and whistles that I can imagine being on it, that that might be a thing I would buy. I would not spend that amount of money on a treadmill, but I, I'm not a good judge of that sort of thing because I, you could say we're gonna, you know, Peloton could call me up and say, look, we. we don't tell anyone. We're huge fans of market foolery, and we and we know there's a gift ban at your corporation. But we're just going to ignore that, and we're just going to send you this thing for free. And I would say that's so nice of you. No, thank you. I didn't. I'm just. I'm not <laughs> someone who enjoys running on a treadmill. Um, it's it's sort of a, a last resort for me uh, if that happens. So I I'm not I'm not a good judge of that. I think I think it uh, again to go back to what it means for the business. I think it's a smart move. Are you sending out hints uh, as to what presents you will accept, which uh, historically has been booze and coffee? I mean, you know, let's 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 not put booze and coffee in the same category as exercise, exercise. equipment. That's 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 literally at the other end of the spectrum. Um, the stock of the day is Nikola Corporation uh, shares of the electric truck maker up more than thirty five percent after announcing a partnership with General Motors. GM is taking an 11% stake in Nikola, and it's going to produce uh, their marquee hydrogen fuel cell electric pickup truck by the end of 2022, which seems a very long way off. But today, everything is sunshine and rainbows, both for Nikola and for General Motors. Uh, That stock is up somewhere close to 10% as well. Yeah, market's saying it's a win-win. You know, General Motors has to uh, be involved in what the future of this business is going to be. They have most of their weight in the past iteration uh, of what uh, transportation looks like and still is going to look like in in the very near term. But uh, the future is uh, far more electric than it is today. And uh, GM has really not escaped the, the the trading range that, that its stock has been in for for the last decade, more or less, and and, and why should it? It's got uh, an enormous number of very expensive assets, which are valuable assets to have when they're all being put to use. Uh, they had to be shut down for you know a portion of, of this year, and um, I I think that given the balance sheet and everything, it's it's a good. Uh, opportunity for them to move 
these efforts into a joint venture rather than to completely try to do them themselves, where I think they come into uh, the difficulty of uh, their employee contracts and the union um, obligations and the pension obligations uh, to all of their labor force. So uh, Nicola uh, is not uh, operating under that, that type of model, that type of history, that type of obligation. Uh, they're freer to do the things that I think GM wants to be pointing to. Yeah, I understand the enthusiasm on both sides. Um, but to your point, I think long term, it's at least at this point, it's hard to look at General Motors and think, oh, I, this is a stock I'm, I'm going to put on my watch list uh, right now. I think it's a smart move by Mary Barra and her team. Um, but. Uh, you know, I, w once you get past the initial details of this partnership, I think a logical question for GM is, well, wait a minute, aren't you also producing your own version of an electric pickup truck? Um, and they are. And so that, you know, that's, that's where it sort of gets um, a little fuzzier in terms of um, where GM puts its resources. Yeah, they're hedging their bets. They're uh, also reasonably far along in the pursuit of uh, autonomous vehicles uh, and what um, you know a fleet of those might look like if they become a significant player and what may and is very likely to be a very significant uh, part of the next generation of uh, travel so they've got uh, a number of bets uh, spread around and they're growing their bets in the autonomous vehicle and electrical vehicle and um, really not probably capable of expanding their bet, which is enormous in terms of the, the sort of physical plant for, you know, your, your fossil fuel-based uh, trucks and, and cars. So uh, I think that uh, we, we know that they're going to look different over the next decade, and I think this is one of the, another indication of what it's going to look like. Do you think... So, I called Nikola the stock of the day. I stand by that. Um, another stock making headlines for its downward trajectory is Tesla, uh, down about 15% the last time I checked. Do you think at least a little bit of that is looking at Nikola as um, uh, a stronger than previously thought competitor to Tesla? Well, the headline before this news broke, uh, you know, Tesla was already as a stock as opposed to as a business because we're about to go into things which have nothing to do with the underlying business. But the fact that the S&P 500 uh, has uh, three new openings and uh, Tesla did not get one of them uh, was one of the things that some investors were maybe uh, banking on, uh, and by investors, I'm, I'm betters, really. You know, uh, I think the, the people whose orientation are more short-term with the stock. Because if you're a long-term investor, whether it's in the included in the S&P 500, is a, like a very, very, very small nice-to-have, um, not much of a have-to-have. Uh, but for very short-term investors, that was a headline that was unexpected. Uh, so, the stock was already weak on that. And um, you know what? What part of Nikola uh, teaming up with GM um, might add to a little bit of selling? I, I couldn't really measure because Tesla's stock is impossible to predict from day to day right now. 
except to say it'll do something fascinating tomorrow as well as today, I think, <laughs> and, and many of the days uh, to come. Right. If you bought shares of Tesla the first week of January when it was 85 and you see it today at around $360 a share, that's pretty great. That's, you know, it's rare, very rare to see a stock rise that much in that short amount of time. If you bought it last week when it was $500 a share and today it's at 360 uh, I, I said this before we started recording, today is one of those days where it's a good exercise for investors to look at their portfolio in general, but particularly if there's a stock that you own that has taken a dramatic tumble recently, today's a good day to look at that and ask yourself, why do I own this? Like, What are the reasons I had for buying this? Because if there were good fundamental underlying business reasons to buy the stock, then okay, that hopefully will give you some reassurance. If you ask yourself that question and the answer you give yourself is, a lot of my friends are saying you got to buy this thing. It seems like it does nothing but go up. That's you know that's probably not a great reason to buy the stock. In fact, yeah, I'll, I'll remove the word probably. That's not a great reason to buy the stock. Yeah, if you if you bought it in December, the end of December, and you said I am an Uber bull on this stock long term, and I think short term this thing could go up a hundred percent this year. That's how that's how bullish I am on this stock. That gets you to one seventy, right? That's a great year for the stock. Uh, and if the stock goes back down to 170 from here, and some people are like, oh my God, that's impossible. Uh, I would say it's not impossible. Um, it's, I, I don't have uh, any dog in this fight. Uh, it's going to keep visiting briefly at times fascinating prices. And uh, what price people get in or out at at the moment feels more like. Um, you know, uh, gambling than um, than investing. For many of the, the the people involved, I'm not saying that people haven't made uh, an investment, both decade, you know, the better part of a decade ago, and held on to it, uh, or this year, or even at 500, um, they may have invested in it. But if so, uh, I hope they were taking a 10-year uh, horizon on that investment. And for all the talking we've been doing about Tesla and Nikola and the move to electric vehicles, and probably worth pointing out ExxonMobil, yet again, having a rough day uh, with the report by Reuters that uh, they could be looking at a shortfall of close to $50 billion through 2021. and and. I say this not uh, in jest. I say this in all seriousness. There is apparently consideration that Exxon could cut its dividend, which is in the world of large companies that pay dividends, ExxonMobil's dividend is about as sacred a dividend as there is out there. Uh, yes, historically, the market has to be. Uh, considering that the dividend is not that safe because you just don't get safe 9% um, yields. that That's just, I think, uh, one of the things, one of the flags that the market, by having sold the stock down to this uh, point, and it's off about 50% this year, more or less, you know, in line with other uh, oil companies. So, yeah, I mean, the dividend is 
very much under pressure because they have to scale back on their spending. Now, the spending is on uh, expanding uh, some of their oil fields, uh, both shale, both uh, and then deep sea. And, you know, they've got the dividend, which is a major cost. Look, they're still they still have plenty of operating cash uh, from the business, but they do not have any this year at with oil prices roughly 40 going into today. Oil prices are down eight, nine percent today. So that's another bad data point for them. But they cannot make enough money on their business to cover the financial obligations that they have made for all that long. That's not to say that they have a weak balance sheet, but they can't pay the very large dividend that they pay and uh, grow some of their operations, which don't need to be grown uh, in the short term, uh, and maintain the size of uh, staff that they have. So, one of those is going to give maybe more than one. uh, The dividend, in a sense, is the easiest. It's just sort of stroke of a pen. Oh, now we will pay you less money than we used to pay you shareholders. Uh, But you've got a lot of people that are counting on that dividend and uh, having, uh, you know, acquired the status of, of sort of a sacred dividend in the market, uh, that's additional pressure to, to maintain it. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.